I mean, how many today know the joy of the Lord? Just raise your hand. I want to just a little bit audience. Okay, fantastic. And so I think we're coming together here this morning on the same page that we realize that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. And this is a, a season of joy. And partly uh, it's a season of joy because um, we, we remember a story. And, and, of course, the story is about baby Jesus and that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and then he grew up. Jesus grew up and he began to show us how to live a life of meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and a life of, of joy. Amen. And I love that story when it's told. In fact, last night at our, our staff Christmas dinner, uh, Heidi and I got to sit down with all of your pastors and uh, the people that minister here at this church. And, and, and we, we kind of shared amongst each other different things. But by the end of the evening, we read the Christmas story. And I love the story. Um, I, I, I go back, my mind goes back, rushes back to 1983 because there's another story. And I love stories, whether it's in print or whether it's on film, movies, what have you. And, and one story that we'll probably never forget because it's become a classic. And it was a movie, and it might, you know, pop in your mind if I mention the mannequin leg lampshade, okay? Uh, how many remember that story? And, of course, it was called, what was that? It was a, a Christmas story. And uh, it was based on the humorous writings of author Gene Shepard. This beloved holiday movie follows the wintry exploits of a youngster by the name of who? Ralphie Parker, played by Peter Billingsley, who spends most of his time, you remember, dodging the bully, the, the school bully. And so that was part of it. And, of course, the little guy, he's just narrating the story himself on that movie. And, uh, and so, you know, you're just kind of listening to him, all the antics of life and the ups and the downs. But uh, in, in, in all of it, the, the theme is this, that if he could just get, you know, that perfect Christmas present. If he could get that perfect Christmas present, then everything would be right. I mean, the stars would align and life would be balanced and he could be happy forever and ever. If you get the right Christmas present, do you remember what the perfect per- Christmas present was? It was what? It was a Red Rider air rifle or a BB gun, Red Rider BB gun. And if he could get that, then everything would be perfectly wonderful in the world and he'd be happy forever and ever. And, of course, as the, the story unfolds, it has conflict, crisis and resolution like any good plot, any good story. And what happens is he receives this this ideal Christmas present. Do you remember that? And then what happens? Of course, crisis follows after he gets what he thinks he wants that would make you know everything right. The stars align. And then, of course, what happens? He gets this perfect gift and then crisis, crisis happens. And I I think life is kind of like that when we think we we're getting what we want in life. I mean, it's what we're really hoping. I mean, this is the answer. But then crisis follows. It's just like real life because we have these anticipations or or expectations. If we could just get this one thing or this one person. I mean, if, if we could just get this to happen, then we think that everything is going to be perfectly right in the world. I remember I was about 10 years of age and they had started to advertise the Polaroid one-step camera. How many remember that? The Polaroid one-step camera for your younger people. What happened, there was this, this camera. It was called a Polaroid and you popped in a square cartridge, a square cartridge cartridge about that thick you popped it in the back and you of course aimed it took a picture and out of the front of the camera would come this little picture and in fact it was in color that was a big deal 
It was in color, and so I wanted the Polaroid one-step camera, take the picture, the picture slides out. And so that's what I was praying for. I prayed to God. Can you believe it, Chippo? I even prayed that I'd get the Polaroid one-step camera. And before Christmas... I'm looking around and hunting around and sneaking around. I look up in the closet and, oh, there's a box that looks like the right size, you know, the proper size. Maybe that's it. I don't know. And and so I'm sneaking around, you know, of course. But Christmas comes. Christmas evening, you know, when you're supposed to open your gifts. No, I'm just kidding. Christmas evening comes and we open our gifts. And guess what? I get the Polaroid one-step camera, man. I was so happy. I mean, the stars have aligned. Everything's perfect and everything's balanced in life. And I pop in the cartridge and take some pictures. I think I bought one more package of film. The second package took some pictures, stuck it on a shelf. And folks, I don't know where that camera is today. Because like the little boy in the movie, Ralphie Parker... I realized, kind of unofficially, that the things of this world do not satisfy. The things of this world do not satisfy. And and for me, that camera, I mean, I, I was really happy when I got it and I had fun for those few moments and those minutes that I used it. But ultimately, it, it, it did not satisfy. Fact is, there is not much in this world that provides sustaining satisfaction. So we get we get a hint in Matthew chapter five and looking at verse six. Let's go there this morning together. Go to Matthew chapter five, looking at verse six, and and we kind of get a hint. I'm mean, an idea. How do we align things? How how do we make the stars line up? I mean, how do we find the direction in life that really satisfies and really meets our needs? And we find ourselves <laughs> isn't it interesting? We find ourselves. At the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus Christ is speaking. He's given the Beatitudes. that If you want direction in life, I mean really direction in life, you go to the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus gives those directions. And so we want to use the word as our guide this morning. Go to Matthew chapter 5, looking at verse 6. And maybe we have it. Yeah, we have it up here behind me here on the screens. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I guess the question is, how, how is your hunger for righteousness coming right now? How is your hunger for righteousness working out in this Christmas season as we're buying presents and we're spending time with each other and we're having all these Christmas parties and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, put out the passion, the excitement of all those experiences, but I'm really wondering in this season, how are we doing at being hungry and thirsting after righteousness in our life that, that Christ might be glorified. In fact, I go to a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper verse in 1 John, if you have God's word. Go to 1 John, and we're going to look at chapter 2. Go to 1 John, look at chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 16 and 17, the first part of verse 17. So let's go there if you have the Bible with you this morning. Go to 1 John, chapter 2, beginning of verse 16, and let's read this Together. First John chapter two, looking at verse 16 for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I mean, think about that for a moment. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world, the world and its desires pass away. Now, inductively, 
I'm asking myself, I mean, how do I respond to this? Not so that I know what to say to you, but I'm reading this in my own study and I'm asking myself inductively, I mean, how, how am I to apply this? I mean, what does this do to me and in my life as I'm reading the word of God and, and, and it's telling me that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, you know, the pride of life, it says basically these things do not satisfy and so when I apply that to my life, then, then all of a sudden I realize there is a whole new uh, line of order that I'm following. Because why? We want the stars to line up. Amen. We really want satisfaction in life. And he kind of gives us direction in this passage. How do we get satisfaction in life? Why? Because it is saying to us, it is highlighting that this world does not satisfy. I remember discipling a man by the name of Mike about a year ago. A man in our church introduced me to this guy by the name of Mike. And, and Mike, uh, since he was a teenager, had started uh, as a young man drinking too much alcohol and using too many drugs. And in fact, he was a drug addict and he was an alcoholic and now he's in his late 50s. And, and, and I cannot imagine a man losing as much as he lost. And he told me a story. And as he told me a story, tears filled my eyes because he had lost so much. He had lost so much. I didn't know that one man could lose so much. And he had lost so much in life. And this is, like I said, about a year ago when I discipled him on Monday nights at Starbucks. And so every Monday night, I'd meet him about 10 o'clock at night to disciple him at Starbucks. And he had had his sobriety for about three or four years. And there towards the end of my time in Florida, I get a phone call. He doesn't show up on a Monday night. And then another Monday night, he doesn't show up. And And I find out, I track him down, he's in the local jail. Fell off the wagon and got caught stealing some items to to buy drugs and alcohol. And so when we moved from Florida, Mike was in jail. And it just broke my heart. I remember those early meetings with Mike. He shared some things with me. I mean, he was his late 50s, like I said. So, I mean, he had, he had been walking this journey a long time. And he was reflecting. He said, you know, Pastor, when I, I began these things, I did it with my friends. It was just a party. I mean, it was just for fun. But, Pastor, I know for certain two things. Those many years ago, when I was just a teenager, I, I know that as soon as I began to do drugs, I knew thing in the back of my mind, I knew one thing for certain in the back of my mind, that number one, I was hooked right away. This I know without any question. I was hooked right away. He said, and the second thing I knew, as time went on and year after year clicked by, I began to realize the stark reality that this high, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, this high, this high does not last. Because this world, you see the scripture saying it, this world does not satisfy. In fact, dissatisfaction is, in life is near the root of all kinds of issues. Did you know that? How many agree with that statement? That dissatisfaction is the root of all kinds of issues in life, whether it's unfaithfulness or personal abuses, everything from mindless binges to things that we do on the Internet with Facebook, with Twitter, inappropriate viewing of things that we shouldn't be viewing or behavior that we should not be engaging in. And all of these things, it's a root of this dissatisfaction in life because we want to be satisfied. We want fulfillment in life. I mean, that's normal. That's just part of being human. Amen. And I think we understand this. But I think we should also understand that the Bible is full of glorious promises of satisfaction. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Listen to this now. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger 
And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 6.35. And then in Psalm 107 verse 9 we read. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. And then later on we read. In your presence. This is it. In your presence. There is fullness of joy. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Listen to me, young people. You want joy in life. You want satisfaction. You want the stars to align. You want balance in life. Get in the presence of the Father. And when you get in the presence of the Father, things begin to work in life. I promise you that. I believe that. I've experienced that. I know that. There is joy in the Lord. That's what the Bible says. There is joy in the Lord. And that joy is our strength. Amen. In fact, a man by the name of Herman Bavink once wrote, God and God alone is man's highest good. <laughs> God and God alone is man's highest good. I mean, so how, how do we get, how do we get there? I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of talking here. I understand that. But how do we get there? How do we, we find balance in life? How do we make the stars align for ourselves, especially at this Christmas, this Christmas time and this Christmas season? And we have the tree and we have presents. And, and we wonder how do we really, how do we really find satisfaction in life? You know, I mean, that's the big question. I, I, I believe it is. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're going to do this Christmas. A lot of things that we'll gauge in and, and we'll have a good time with our family. But you see all of that, it fades. All of that passes away. I mean, what is it that, what is the truth that, that we cannot attain in ourselves, but is the truth that is eternal and everlasting and that is true? How do we find that kind of, that kind of direction life? We're talking about Jesus and, and his direction. I mean, that is, that is a, a clue there. But you see, in Christ, we discover something. In our, our creator, we receive something. And what we receive, it makes all the difference in the world. In fact, it changes our life. It's what gives us this peace that satisfies. And what God gives us, what God gives us, it's something that we cannot fabricate. We cannot create ourselves. It is not something that we attain for ourselves, but it is something that God places in us as we turn to Him. Now, now let me say something about the grace of God. It, it, it causes some things to awaken us. One is it's a deep longing of our soul. It causes a deep longing of the soul because once you experience the grace of God and the reality of Jesus and you begin to walk with Him and your story intertwines with His story. All of a sudden there is this hunger that is awakened and you want more of him and more of him and you want to know God better. And if you're starving right now and you're not hungering after God, then maybe, maybe something needs to change. You see, when you know the grace of God, this longing of your soul comes alive. The second thing is be aware because it also, it also can awaken resentment. It can awaken resentment. Grace can. You know why? Because there's only one way to receive the grace of God, teenagers. The only way to receive the grace of God is by coming to him destitute. You see, this is not popular because, see, in the world, the world wants us to be successful. The world wants us to be self-reliant. The world lauds and recognizes when we're successful. 
But you see, when we receive the grace of God, none of that allows us to receive the grace. Only by coming to God destitute and inadequate and broken and realizing there's nothing that we can do to receive the grace of God. For it's by the grace of God that we're saved. Not by any works, lest any man should boast. But only by the grace of God that we can receive God's love for us in this Christmas season. Amen. And so I don't know where, where you're at, but I know this, that God loves you. He loves you so much that he gives you grace as a free gift. That's the point. He gives you grace as a free gift to say to you that I love you. I love the story of a grandpa, grandfather. He had come into the living room and his little grandson, baby grandson, maybe, you know, what, two years old, was there in the playpen. And, and he was crying and almost throwing a temper tantrum and angry because mom had disciplined him and put him in his playpen. And so here comes grandpa. And now little Johnny takes his chubby hands and reaches up and says, up, grandpa, crying, up, grandpa. And so grandpa's like this. So he goes to pick up little Johnny. And about that time, mom comes through the door. Don't do it. <laughs> He's in trouble. He's being disciplined. And the grandpa says, but no, but no, but no. And so mom says he's being disciplined. He tur- she turns and goes out the room. And so grandpa's standing there. And he's just in anguish because he's so empathetic and he loves his grandson so much. And he cannot break the rules, you know, the law of mom. And so in his thinking, Grandpa came up with an idea. He steps into the playpen. He sits down. He sits down with his grandson. He enters into his space to say, I love you. He enters into his space, our space, to say, I love you. He enters into your space to say, I love you. God loves you today. He loves you. His grace is sufficient. His grace will change things. And I don't know what that means for you. I don't know if you're hungering after righteousness, and maybe you're not. Then maybe, maybe it's time that we just come to him broken, contrite, and say, Lord, I need your grace in my life. Maybe you've been tempted by sin. Maybe you are looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe it's a spirit of bitterness or resentment that's rising up. and in Whatever it is, God's grace is sufficient to turn things around. God's grace is sufficient. Say that with me. God's grace is sufficient. I want to invite us to pray. Let's do that. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Precious Father in heaven, there's some here today that they're hearing your voice right now. And they're saying, Lord, I... I need your grace. I need your grace to forgive me of my sin. I need your grace to help me with my spirit or attitude, whatever it is, Lord. I'm not going to try to understand what each person, each man, woman, or teenager is dealing with right now. But, Lord, your grace is sufficient. And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we're just going to say, Lord, I'm embracing your grace. I'm embracing your grace, Lord. I I receive your grace right now, Father, to, to wash me and to make me clean, to forgive me, to renew me, Father. I'm receiving your grace. Your grace is sufficient. So, Father, I pray for those that are just bowing their head right now and they're praying. They're saying, God, I need your grace in my life. You know what I'm struggling with spiritually. You know about that. That thing, you know, about, Lord, my relationship, you know, Father in heaven, the fact that maybe I'm just kind of flatlined spiritually and I'm not really passionate about anything. 
Lord Jesus, your grace is sufficient. I pray that you'd speak to that heart, to that man and that woman right now. Every one of us in this room, every last one of us, that we'd embrace your grace this Christmas season. Lord, this is, this is the only way to have a wonderful time of the year, is by embracing your grace. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As the music begins to play in the background, I want to invite you to listen to God. I want to invite you to hear his voice. And as your head is bowed and you're just thinking right now, and you're saying, God, I'm going to embrace your grace. It's between you and Jesus. It's not my business. It's your business. You're just saying, I'm going to embrace your grace, whatever that means for you. And as you come to that place and you're saying, Lord, I'm going to embrace your grace. I want to invite you just to stand. It wouldn't surprise me if most of us just end up standing here as the Holy Spirit moves us. But you're just going to stand right there where you're at saying, proclaiming, I'm embracing the grace of God this Christmas. Do that as the Holy Spirit leads you. As the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, you're saying, God, I accept your grace. Stand right there where you're at, just between you and Jesus. Nobody else is private. Just stand right there where you're at. Just respond to him right now. God, I'm going to embrace your grace. It's your grace that I embrace right now. Not anything else. It's not a church. No activity. Just Jesus. It's all about Jesus right now. Embrace his grace. Say, Jesus, I'm responding to you. I'm going to embrace your grace. I need your grace in my life. I need your blessing in my life. I need your help, God. You know what I'm, I'm dealing with. So, Jesus, I'm coming to you right now. I'm going to embrace your grace. Somebody else, stand right there where you're at. Lord, I want to be... I want to be obedient. I want to just embrace you. Lord, it's your Christmas. It's all about you today. It's about Jesus Christ this morning. I'm going to embrace your grace, Father. Thank you, Father. I hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus. I just worship you. Thank you, Jesus.